From the spread to our favorite prop bets, plus predictions on today's episode of The Winning Ticket, 28-year professional sports handicapper John Ryan from Sports Memo, Wager Talk, and the Predictive Playbook joins me to break down the conference championships as we detail what we think is most likely to turn a profit. John, thanks for taking the time. Oh, as always, Bobby, I love this show with you and uh, can't wait to dig into uh, all the golden nuggets that hopefully we're going to provide the viewers. John, I have no doubt about that. There's a reason I call you a walking bucket. You consistently put money into people's pockets and their bank accounts. We're going in order of when the games kick off. So we start with the NFC Championship, Niners-Eagles at the link. The spread is two and a half in favor of Philly. I'm off of that. This is a game between the two best teams in the conference. It's an even matchup. Do you see it the same way, or do you think the spread is worth taking action on? I, I see it the same way, but I do think there is a reason to put down 50% pre-flop, and I'm going with the Eagles. And the reason I'm going 50% pre-flop, especially for those that are new listeners here as we continue to grow our viewership, is that the volatility of these games is going to be quite high. It's the first time since 1997 that we had both games lined between two and a half points and, and pick them. Uh, 2017, they were two games, they were three points each, but first time since uh, 97 that we've been under three in both games. So that that tells me that we're going to be back and forth here. No team is really going to run away with it until probably late uh, should that happen. But I do think the Eagles offensive line, that chemistry uh, that they have displayed all season long is intact. And uh, I think that's what's going to get the job done. We got the four best teams. I'm very excited about each of these matchups. At the same time, if there is a blowout, I think it's the Eagles destroying the Niners. And the point that everyone is looking at, how is Brock Purdy going to handle that environment at the link? It's afternoon. It's going to bleed into the night. It's going to have Eagles fans from all over, especially the Northeast region there. To me, it has become the toughest place to play in the NFL. I've said a bunch on this show and others that there's nothing like the link in prime time, especially when the Eagles are competitive. Three o'clock on a conference championship weekend, that's good enough to check that box. The atmosphere is going to be electric. And Brock Purdy, I know they try to present him like he's Joe Cool, but we've seen it in each of these playoff games where he has moments or halves or stretches where he doesn't handle the pressure well. You can see him get flustered. He's certainly flappable. And in particular against San Francisco, what we saw is a quarterback who, when they pressure him and get him to roll out, he didn't look comfortable. And and I completely agree with that. I think Purdy uh, probably has a pretty good career looking forward, though. Uh, when he He's given an offense that he can execute, and, and that's the to credit to the 49er coaches. And Essentially, that game plan is the same that they gave Jimmy G as well. They, you know, they recognize what the skill sets are, and um, and design it accordingly. So, you know, kudos to them for doing that. A lot of these coaching staffs, they they have their own ideas, and it's the players that have to mold around them. I think we have really four teams here uh, that are the best four, as you said, and also coaching staffs that have molded the team based on the talent and the skill sets that they have. So um, I think that the Eagles defensive line is well. They have four guys on that defense with double-digit sacks. That's never happened before in NFL history. And um, I do think they're going to have a little bit different wrinkle, something that hasn't been seen in the game film. And 
you know, if that's successful, that's, you know, that is definitely going to get Purdy's attention. Yeah, it absolutely will. And we're dealing with two outstanding run games. That helps Brock Purdy a lot. I think the Eagles run defense is better than it's given credit for, in part because you look at the metrics and don't factor in, well, now they have Linval Joseph, that they were missing Jordan Div- Jordan Davis, excuse me, for a chunk of the season. And, you know, obviously Ndamukong Sue is out there. How much is he a factor? That's a different story, but he helps just having more defensive linemen to rotate. That makes a difference. So I think the Eagles run defense is better than people who aren't watching every single week and more just going off the numbers might think and will possibly, and for Philly's sake, better find out over the weekend. And then I also look at it and say, I'm less looking at Christian McCaffrey, who's dealing with a calf injury, but of course he's going to suit up for this one. I'm less looking at the importance of him making an impact on the ground. I'm looking at who's getting more explosive plays, home run plays. And one thing that I look at is if they send him out on a screen against these athletic Eagles linebackers, that might not work out unless he can make someone miss. But if they get him, because he runs routes as well as a wide receiver does, that's part of why it was worth getting McCaffrey in the first place. If they can get him on an angle route across the middle or a wheel route downfield, anything where he's really challenging those Eagles linebackers to keep up with him, not just catch it and make them miss. That to me is how San Francisco can really take their offense to another level against Philly. I can't agree more. The more that Purdy sees the back end of a uniform with a runner, a defender running away from him, uh, the the better off he's going to be. And those are the throws too, uh, that he has a very good touch that he can throw over the top and just dump it in the, uh, the bucket, so to speak, just like Jalen Hurts can. Not quite as good as Jalen has this season, but very effective in reading what is going on. And that's why I get back to, um, you know, a few design tweaks in the in the twists, uh, if you will, with the you know unexpected blitz coming. But the Eagles don't blitz that much. You know, they they played a team last week that blitzed just about 74 percent of the time for the entire season in the Giants. Uh, but they really don't need to do that, which brings to light what you said. Run defense must be good because they have to maintain that gap discipline in the A and the B gaps where they're blitzing or not, and they still got the sacks. So that, that yeah, I think that sums it up. Yeah, it absolutely does, John. And that Eagles front seven, so athletic, so aggressive, and they cause pressure. And I think the aggressive nature of how they operate, it bodes well against the run, too. So it's not just about putting pressure on Purdy. It's what it accomplishes against San Francisco's ground game. The over-under in this one is 46 and a half. I lean toward the latter, but I'm not touching this either. Does the total have you headed to the window? Or are you staying off it? Well, um, there there is. I am definitely going to take the over again. It's probably going to be maybe a 25% pre-flop bet. Again, you got to take advantage of the volatility of the game. The, the game will slow down like they're playing in the mud, and, the, and then it'll speed up uh, where it looks like it. You know, games from uh, from the past where you know it was fifty one forty eight. Well, actually, that was just last year. But um, take advantage of those flows because you can you can feel it. You don't need a computer in front of you to to know that you know the action is swift and furious as opposed to methodical and slow. So um, there was one angle I found today, Bob. You know, I, that's what I love about my my life in this career is that every year now for 28 years, I've added on to these trends and angles. 
So if the defensive points allowed of both teams is less than the total by three or more points in a conference championship game, the over is 25-13-1 against the spread for 65%. San Fran allowed during the regular season 16.42 points per game and the Eagles 19.5. That equals 36. So not only are we less than three points in this angle, we're 10 points. And when it doesn't make sense like that, why is the total so high if these defenses are so good? That's all we hear all week. You know, 49ers are number one defense. The Eagles defensive line is great. Da, 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 da. Doesn't that make you want to do the under? Of course it does. But when it's this kind of disparity, the market is always right. I said that on Wall Street, you know, for years. If the price of Apple is something you go, well, that that's not right. I mean, it, well, of course it is. Because that's what the market is commanding right this moment. But I think the fact that it's so much higher than these averages, I, I would be surprised if the game didn't go under. I'm with you there. We see it the same way. And then when it comes to the prop bets, I'll let you catch your breath here. I want to give you throw out one first and then we'll go. I'm curious. I know that you've got a few that you want to get to. I'll start with George Kittle at over 46 and a half receiving yards. You can grab it for minus 122 on FanDuel. I don't think he's become a high volume in terms of possessions type of safety net for Brock Purdy, but he's who he consistently is starting to look towards in big moments. I don't think it's a coincidence that he came out of mothballs as a receiver as they had to rely more and more on Brock Purdy and got deeper into the campaign. And I mean, one in particular is that catch down the middle by Kittle, a huge play to help them beat Dallas, where then after the game, the interview was with the two of them on the field with Aaron Andrews, and Kittle says that he wasn't even really one of the reads in the progression, so he was thrilled that Purdy just had the confidence to throw it to him and see if he could make a play, and it speaks to that trust factor and that element of being a safety blanket for Brock Purdy. So I do like George Kittle, even if he doesn't rack up a ton of catches, to put up over 46 and a half receiving yards. I, I like that bet quite a bit. Yep, that, no no disagreement there at all. And then, John, what else are you looking at here in terms of prop bets? Well, I have um, I have two here. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay, we know that he's coming off the shoulder injury, and you know, we've heard the ridiculous – well, I guess ridiculous in Philly. There was talk that um, the coaching staff was teaching him how to fall and not hit that shoulder, like how to twist. That is important, though. That's how Jimmy Garoppolo, I remember, got hurt with the Patriots when he was filling in for Tom Brady. That is important. And not every quarterback knows how to do that well until they experience it. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, but I think, you know, the point is that his, you know, he's as close to hundred percent as you could possibly get him, and uh, looked fantastic last week. And uh, now is going to be even better. And don't kid yourself, folks, the, the, that buy when there's only one team that gets the buy, that now becomes monumental. Uh, guys like Fletcher Cox on the defensive line always thrive on that by that rest, whether it's a regular season or the playoffs. And I expect Fletcher Cox to have a huge game tomorrow as well. But Jalen Hurts, not going with the rushing yards, but I do think he is going to tax that defense, spread them out, um, do what you know uh, Patrick Mahomes does, get to the sidelines, roll out, force the defense to make a coverage mistake. And I do think he's going to get credit for over 10 and a half rushes at plus 110, 
which I got over at BetMGM. And when I do player props, as you know, Bobby, it's pizza money. You know, you don't want to get crazy with these things because you, before you know, you have eight bets in there, and you and you know if you do too much, you go, oh my god, I hope I hope a couple of these win. It's supposed to be for fun. The other guy is the strong safety for the Eagles. And this plays right into what we were talking about, Bobby, with the inexperience of Brock Purdy and if he does get rattled. So uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a strong safety for the Eagles. I have him, uh, pizza money bet, for an interception at plus 585. I got that at Bet Rivers. So I do think that he is the type of safety that, you know, will read his eyes, uh, Brock Purdy's eyes, and then jump routes, and I think he has a pretty good chance that, um, you know, he's going to make plays, obviously, but I think he has a good chance of picking one off. Yeah, I like that one a lot, John. He's someone I've talked about him with you on the show before. Big fan of him. He means a lot to that Eagles defense because he's a chess piece and his versatility, and he's also one of the players that they rely on to generate turnovers. So I think that's a great prep bet to take action on right here. I'll also just put it explicitly that we're going to throw over the course of this show, like we always do, a ton of prop bets at you. We're not saying take action on every single one of them. We're giving you what we believe in and why we believe in it. And then it's up to you to choose what you agree with and what of that group, because you might not go to the window on 100% of those, which ones you do want to sprinkle, as John likes to say, some pizza money on it. So I'm going to now go to what I like here from the Philly side of it, is Miles Sanders has an anytime touchdown prop at plus 140 on FanDuel. I mean, with Philly's ground game, I understand the Niners are not the Giants, but you saw how impressive they looked. They have the best offensive line in football. Lane Johnson looks pretty good to me. And so I do think that Miles Sanders, they you expect the Eagles, they're going to have some red zone cracks. I think they get close enough that he ultimately will pop one in. I can't agree more. I think that's a great bet, and I have no idea why it's plus 145. Yeah, and then A.J. Brown is plus 155 for an anytime touchdown on FanDuel. And I'm going to sprinkle some pizza money on that too, John. I, I agree too. I think that's people, you know, the market is telling us that more people are betting the under in this game. And as we know from that previous angle, we both like the over. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brown scored twice. I mean, that, that would be an interesting prop bet as well. I think Bet MGM has that. Uh, but that's one to look up if you like our idea. Uh, what's to say he doesn't score two? And that would have to be, you know, 350, 400, which is, you know, pizza money bet. And that's worth doing. Absolutely. San Francisco, they trusted Chavarius Ward one on one with DK Metcalf. And Metcalf, you know, Ward had a great, did a great job against him in the regular season. Metcalf had some big plays for Seattle in their playoff matchup. And so we'll see. You leave him one on one with AJ Brown. I actually think in against press coverage that Brown's the more difficult assignment compared to Metcalf. And so we'll see if San Francisco goes that route and if Brown makes them pay for it. My question to you now, John, give me your game prediction. Who wins the NFC championship? I think I'd see Eagles and I think they cover the spread. And I'm going to say 31-21. I like that prediction. I mentioned the giant caveat, Brock Purdy at the link, because that to me, is the most likely reason that Philadelphia wins this game. But if Brock Purdy keeps his composure and can at least limit it to one turnover, I actually think that the Niners are the better team. At least statistically speaking, their defense ranks ahead of Philadelphia's. And I, I, Philadelphia's weapons are right up there. We are talking about 
far and away the two best teams in the NFC. You could make a case the two best teams in the NFL. But at the same time, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Ayuk as the fourth weapon in the hierarchy. If Brock Purdy can handle himself in that environment, then I actually think the Niners will win this game. And I, I agree with that scenario as well. You know, we don't win 100% of our games, right? Yeah. I mean, I also said at the beginning that if Purdy doesn't, it's the reason that it becomes the game where there's most likely of these two to be a blowout and it would be in Philly's favor. So it's a giant swing factor in this game. Nothing is more important in my estimation. I think if Purdy handles himself, Niners are going to the Super Bowl. If he doesn't, it's Philly and it could get ugly and it, it could be that environment is like a boxing match in that type of atmosphere. So it could get ugly quickly if Brock Purdy shows up and is not ready for it. Let's switch sides now, talk about the AFC championship between the Bengals and the Chiefs. I'm so tempted to take the Bengals at plus one. I think Cincinnati is better. Kansas City's defense is one of the worst in the red zone. The Bengals are in the top 10 in that category. But there are two reasons, John, that keep me from going to the window with this right now. One is the Bengals' offensive line. It helped that it was snowing in Buffalo and the field conditions aided them. And secondly, the Bills without Vaughn Miller struggled to get home. And that wasn't just the case against Cincinnati. So it's very hard to translate and try to predict what that performance against Buffalo means for how they'll fare against a much better defensive line in Kansas City with Clark and Jones there. So we'll see what happens against those two in particular. And the second is obviously Patrick Mahomes. All the reports are that he's playing well. He went through the walkthrough. He went through practice. And I think Cincinnati's better. But for Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the most talented quarterback of all time and has built a career already where he really does, in my opinion, have a chance to retire as the greatest quarterback of all time and surpass Tom Brady, as crazy as that might sound to some right now, I think that he has that type of potential and has that you know, within a realistic prospect. So between Mahomes and what this opportunity is for his legacy and to add to it and enhance it, and the question marks about the Bills offense or the Bengals offensive line, I think Cincinnati is better. I'm not willing to go to the window to back them to win just yet. And I agree with that. And I'll throw this in for live in-game betting. And I think it applies to both games uh, because we were both on opposite sides with San Fran and the Eagles. But the team uh, leading seven or more points to nothing, if that should happen, after the first quarter of action. So in other words, the first you know, there's a parameter called uh, scored first, which means that, okay, they scored first, but how many points did they score before the opponent responded? So in that scenario, in the conference championship game, 13 and five straight up are those teams, 14 and four against the number and 12, five and one over under. So think about it. If the total is 46, 47, 48, and it's only seven, nothing after the first quarter, the over under has still gone 12, five and one. So, um, I think that is a, a great way to play both of these games. I, I couldn't argue if you chose to do that. And I think it, it makes sense to only do 50% pre-flop and then get a feeling for the game. For example, Mahomes, we'll know right away whether he is it going to be effective. And how do we know that? Well, what does he do well? He does rollouts and scrambles like nobody has ever done in the history of the NFL. 
However, if he in this game, if he cannot get out to the perimeter and be effective from there, creating plays, extending the plays, then you got to you know start thinking that boy, San or um, not San Francisco, Cincinnati has a great shot now um, to be in this game and possibly win it. So I, that's one of the keys I think in the first two or three drives I, that I'm going to have my eyes on him and and see. Uh, I might even turn the volume off so I don't get you know biased opinions from. Uh, the announcers, and I'm not saying they're not great announcers, but sometimes you can get your thought process a little bit mixed up by listening and thinking at the same time. At least I do. So uh, that's how I'm I'm proposing to to play it, Bobby. John, I think that's a smart approach to both games. As you said, I, I lean towards the over in this one at 47 and a half. And I think that it's going to be very interesting because Mahomes is so talented. And this is not to say that he's the only one who can do this. I don't people roll their eyes at that type of commentary. And I understand it because some announcers just force feed it to you so much. But I do think that even Mahomes, if the wheel doesn't look great, as dangerous as he is, and he's at his best when he's rolling out, making plays that way, and he's throwing off platform. I also look at it and say, if Cincinnati gets a look at him and says, boy, he's having trouble moving around, let's get aggressive. That in particular spells to me, you dump it off. And they have so many different weapons with speed, even without Tyree Kill. And then they've got Pacheco, who can make plays and is more of a hammer catching the football. And so they've got that element to it. And maybe they're able to protect long enough to take some deep shots. Kansas City now has a pretty good offensive line. You know, Orlando Brown is going to be a huge target for the Bengals out there. So we'll see what happens there. They're going to get Hendrickson on him a bunch. I'm sure they'll try him with Hubbard, too, and mix it up. Nonetheless, I look at it and say, if he can't move well, he can still burn them, whether it's with a quick check down or if they start to, you know, try and scheme it up to take that away. Now you give him more time and he makes you pay with the long ball from the pocket. So I I still think that the over ultimately cashes in in this one. But your approach, I think, is more measured. And so I actually like that better. Well, thanks. Um, I think I am going to play at 50 percent pre-flop on the over. Uh, home teams that had earned the bye and scored first in the game. Ninth, and that field goal or touchdown doesn't matter. 19 and 8 straight up, 18 and 9 against the number, 19 and 8 to the over. The final average score of these games, of these 27 games, is 28 22. That's 50 points. That's higher than the total is now. However, if, the, if Price is a favorite of less than three and a half, these these home teams have only gone three and four against the spread, but five and two over under. I don't make too much with that buy. It's too small a sample size. Um, the, the real good one here is if the home team that had earned a buy scores the first 10, they're 10 and one straight up, nine and two to the over. So again, they don't have to, you don't have to have a 21 point first quarter to ensure yourself of the over winning. A lot of times these are, heavyweight boxing matches and they start out slow because nobody wants to get knocked out in the first round. So um, if it's low scoring, like seven points or less, I would definitely jump on the over in game with pizza money. And uh, that's about it. John, I think that's a great argument right there and a sound approach to it. One that I look at and I don't love the figure, but I still am going to take action on it. And this is more for people we're willing to spend perhaps a little bit more than pizza money to make it worth it. Or if it's just about making any amount of money and, you know, there's no such thing as too small of a profit. Right. But 
Travis Kelsey, over six and a half catches for the second week in a row. He is a monster. He's the best route running tight end, I think, of all time. Kansas City does an exceptional job at scheming him open. Every week, everyone says the same thing, and a defense dedicates their week, first and foremost, against Kansas City's offense. We can't let him get open. We know that there's going to be a decoy. Don't take the cheese. It doesn't matter. I'm yet to see someone slow it down, so I don't think that starts all of a sudden in the conference championship game. Kelsey's coming off a monster performance against Jacksonville. Now, that line I mentioned, it's minus 148. That's going to be a turnoff to a lot of people. But if you do want to make some money, I ultimately think that Kelsey yet again comes through with over six and a half catches. I do too, and I'm on him as well, except I'm, I took him as scoring a touchdown. Anytime touchdown, again, this line is befuddling me because I, I can't understand why it's only minus 105 at FanDuel. But I think the combination of our two, you know, if you do both of them, that's going to make that 145 feel a lot less uh, expensive for sure. Yeah, John, it certainly is. And you know what I actually also like with Kelsey? Because I looked at the anytime touchdown and was scratching my head. And then for him to get two tugs, it's plus 550 on FanDuel. Oh. And that's another one that is too tempting for me to pass up. I agree. I mean, that's like a pizza with pepperoni and mushrooms in the work. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you just can't. Uh, now you got to take that bet for sure. Oh yeah, load up that pizza. I'm all yep. over it. Another two touchdown prop that I like, Jamar Chase at plus 500. I think it's worth taking action on. Well, that that was my second prop bet. And as people know uh, who've watched the show before, we don't talk about what we're going to do on the show. No, but I'm definitely going to the window with it now. Yeah, I mean, we both have Kelsey and Chase, and those are my two prop bets for this game. So uh, TD minus 105 and multiple TDs, I like that just as well. And, and I mean, if you can parlay these things, Kelsey, two touchdowns, Chase, two touchdowns, that that would just about buy the pizzeria. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah. you can get more than a slice for that, for sure. Yeah. I like that. John, I'm going to the window with that. It's it's well worth it at those odds. You can get the Bengals for plus 100 on the money line at points bet and the Chiefs for plus 115 at bet MGM. Would you sprinkle some of your newly owned pizzeria money on either of those figures, I think I think I would. Um, which one I I don't know. I'm I'm really stuck on the in game that we were just talking about and kind of waiting to see uh, how Mahomes looks in in action. I'm sure he's going to be running on the field. He, he's been shown you know full practice uh, running and he seems quite comfortable with it. He can't get that thing numbed up every single day um, and still be effective on Sunday. So. You know, I, I lean towards Cincinnati with this game. It, You know, uh, Burrow is just a guy, you know, ever since the LSU game when they won the national championship and he's smoking a cigar, uh, that's moxie. You know, that's what we call it, at least. And, you know, that's confidence without being arrogant. And uh, he just seems to have it. And they were there last year. And a lot of these progressions in the NFL, a team makes it to the playoffs like the Giants. Next year, they can take it a step further. The Eagles were in the playoffs last year, lost in the first round to Tampa Bay. Now look where they're at. They made that big step forward, and they're the ones now that have a chance to make that next step a reality. So um, I would take the the Cincinnati Bengals with those prices. Yeah, John, I, I would too. It's like I said earlier, that Cincinnati is the better team. And the two things that scare me, how does the Bengals offensive line perform? 
And if you're Patrick Mahomes with a chance to enhance your legacy, you win this game. If you're the most talented quarterback of all time, it's not a massive gap between these two teams. We said it's the four best left. You win this game. So I think that Patrick Mahomes, certainly with the ankle injury or not, and especially when you see him practicing and moving well, that he has it in him to go out there and get this victory at home. They should have beat Cincinnati in the playoffs last year, and he turtled after that failed two-point conversion going into halftime. So it's a chance for redemption on that front. There is definitely a rivalry here now between these two teams. They're 3-0 and against you if you're Mahomes. I think that it, he should go out there and win this game, quite frankly. But the Bengals are the better team, and so I'm picking Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, who reminds me of Tom Brady more than any other quarterback I've seen since Brady came into the league. I'm picking the Bengals to win. Again, whether I go to the window with it, I might stay off it because of my respect for Mahomes and my concern about Cincy's front five. Yeah, I agree. Um, and one last thing with the uh, left tackle for Cincinnati. I was on Cincinnati last week against Buffalo, and that that actually that came through pretty well. Yeah, his name is uh, uh, Jackson. Um, Jonah Williams? Or are you talking about Carmen? Carmen. Uh, he's from Clemson. He's he's just a monster. And I, I watched some game film this week from the game in Buffalo, and I'm, I'm here to tell you he might be better than the starter. He is. I agree with that. The the you know the the talk about oh they're they're you know it's all messed up because of all the injuries and stuff. I think that's a bunch of hogwash. And now they have another week to build on the chemistry, build on their their skill sets as a as a unit because the offensive line is a team within a team, and they have specific jobs that they have to do to make the rest of the team look great. And I think they're doing a fantastic job despite the injuries, despite any other concerns that people have. And I think they're, that offensive line is is going to be better this week than it was last week. If that's the case, John, then I definitely think Cincinnati's winning. The Chiefs defense, just all kinds of concerns. One of the worst against the pass, one of the worst in the red zone. Cincinnati's defense, conversely, is excellent down there at limiting teams to at least a field goal. So to me... If the Bengals can protect and give Burrow and the receivers the time needed to make plays, they will do so, and they will once again go to the Super Bowl. Yep, I I think that's what's going to happen. Eagles and uh, well, you think 49ers, but I, you know, I think uh, Bengals and uh, and Eagles. But it would be a rematch of a Super Bowl a long, long time ago between Cincinnati and the 49ers. Kenny Anderson against uh, I think it was Joe Montana. So that would be pretty cool to uh, reminisce about, too. I think I was about three years old, so I don't know how I remember the game, but, you know, it was a pretty good one. You probably made a profit off it. One last thing, Bobby, if I may. Uh, now, this is live in-game betting, and it's all hypothetical, but it gives you a plan before the game starts. I can't emphasize that enough. So if the team you uh, bet on uh, gets the lead after the first quarter and is leading the game, not tied, okay, so – I'm sorry, the team that you're playing against gets the lead and you're feeling a little sad that, you know, you might have bet on the wrong team. Watch the second quarter because here's the analytics. If that second quarter, um, your team outscores the team you're betting against and the margin at the end at the end of the first half is less than the margin at the end of the first quarter. In other words, they outscored the opponent in the second quarter. Those teams are nine and two straight up. And against the spread. 
So as dumb as it sounds, Bobby, in this scenario, you want Kansas. If you like the Bengals like we do, you want Kansas City to score first. And then you want to see the Bengals rally back, which they do very, very well. It's a very likely scenario, not you know 100% likely to happen. But if you see the Kansas City get out to the lead, and then all of a sudden Cincinnati starts building their way back at the halftime break, make sure you get on the Bengals. John, I think you just helped influence people's decision-making with that one right there and how to approach it and what to look for and everything. So your insight, what you're on is always such valuable information to give to the audience. And that's why you're one of my favorite guests, no matter the topic to have on. That also wraps up this edition of the winning ticket. But before we go, John, of course, the stage is yours to promote any work that you want to share and to let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Well, thank you, Bobby. We can uh, be, I can be found at, at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter, thepredictiveplaybook.com, winningcappers.net, a few others, but those are the main ones. And real quick, I'm, I'm heating up. I don't know why it is this time of year. I've been doing this a long time. I, I seem to struggle in the beginning of January with basketball, but I'm currently on an 8-0 NBA run, 15-2 and overall NBA and college hoops. And March Madness, um, there's no madness uh, to me, I guess. You know, I've just been blessed with having some really, really good years. So if you're interested in that, uh, check me out. I'll give you the details and we can go on from there. A walking bucket. Another line that our loyal listeners have heard from me plenty of times because it is the truth. I will put John up against anyone in the industry. When the when the Sharps get together in Vegas, you know who's sitting at the head of the table. You're looking at him. He is John Ryan. He's earned that seat for a reason. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today, whether you found us on Believe.com, the Winning Tickets YouTube page, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It goes a long way. For John Ryan, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. This has been The Winning Tickets.